Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 100, The Expanding World of Kobo, an interview with Christine Monroe, coming to you on Thursday, the 27th of September, 2018. It's the 100th episode, woohoo! very excited. Everybody should celebrate any kind of milestone. You know that I believe in celebrating and encouraging each other. And you know what? You have to encourage yourself sometimes. You have to be the first one sometimes to be the person who's celebrating your successes. And so I'm very, very, very excited to celebrate 100 episodes. Yay! Now, most podcasts are probably weekly, which means that most people get to the 100th episode about two years into the podcast. I was actually the guest on the 100th episode of Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula in January of 2018. That was very exciting. It was very fun. And there's always lots of room for celebrating any amount of success. Uh, but I like I like big numbers and full numbers and... Um, yeah, so 100, that's a nice big full number. I'm very excited. So I asked Christine Monroe from Kobo if she would be my guest specifically on my 100th episode because I wanted it to be a super cool, fun, interesting episode. And I think she's super cool and fun. I met her in person in July at the Romance Writers of America conference and um, I just really like her. So you are gonna have a great time. Have a pencil and pen, uh, pencil, pencil, a pen, pencil and paper or something. Um, note-taking app, <laughs> something ready, because she has got a ton of stuff to tell you about things that are happening in Kobo. So that's coming up in a minute. But I wanted to also tell you that last week, remember, I talked to Jennifer Dornbush about novelizations, making a movie or movie script into a novel. And she said that one of her best helps was a book by Cheryl McKay and Renee Gooderidge, who are also good friends of mine, and uh, their book, Novelizations, apparently also has a course because on the episode on my website last week, Cheryl McKay left a comment saying, we would love to give your listeners a coupon code to get our course at a discount. And it's a really good discount too. So go over to podcast.rightnowworkshop.com that's where all the episodes are, click on the episodes tab and go to episode 99. And down in the comments, Cheryl left a comment and a link. So thank you very much, Cheryl and Renee. That's so nice of you. I'm very excited for my listeners. Okay. What else do we need to tell you? A couple of quick updates. I figure 100 episodes in, it's always a good round number to also give updates. So an update on burnout. Um, First of all, for anyone who looks at me on YouTube or hears the smiling voice uh, through your earbuds, um, I want you to remember that you may not know who around you is struggling with something like this if they have a naturally effervescent personality. So it was interesting at Bible study last week, um, somebody was saying, but you're always smiling all the time. And I was thinking, yeah, because that's just who I am and how I do things. But I still have a lot of things going on on the inside that um, either are serious or sometimes are just really, really difficult, um, even so far as to, to be tearful about things. So um, just keep an eye on yourself and ask yourself, do I feel different? Am I acting different? Be looking around for your friends. Um you know what, everybody has a different level, a different threshold of what they can and can't do. 
Um, lots of people, probably most of us, can go 100 miles an hour for a little while. But <laughs> when I tried to go on, you know, 80 miles an hour for a really long time, eventually I ran out of gas. Running out of gas is very, very not good. <laughs> I'm not enjoying it. However, a couple of things. One, I am making progress. Yay! I do feel significantly better from when I actually finally realized what the problem was, which was only mm, four-ish months ago. So I do feel like I've made a lot of progress in four months, and that's good. But that means that it's because, and I'm telling you in case it's helpful to you or one of your friends, like I'm really focusing on asking myself, what can I do to help myself heal, recover, whatever is the appropriate word for this? Um, what can I find out about this where I can help myself faster? Now, every time I get to the point where I say, I want to recover faster because I want to get back to work and work harder and faster again, then I realize, wait, wait, this is part of the loop of the problem. So be aware of things like that. Also, uh, for me, I started noticing that I'm not showing very many physical signs of when I'm overdoing it, which means that I'm not realizing that I'm overdoing it until I get to the point where I start feeling sort of like a pressure in my mind, not in my head physically, but in my mind and my thoughts and just start feeling like I'm under a lot of pressure and I feel like I'm about ready to feel overwhelmed or I'm about ready to feel frustrated. And if I let that go and it, leads to actually overwhelm or frustration, then it's, man, it's two steps forward and two more steps back again. So look for things where you can notice um, it might be a trigger of something that, that helps you to see, oh, this is you know, leading me further down this path in the wrong direction, or if it's a feeling or a physical sign. And then I don't know what, what you think that you should do about it, but for me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to create some sort of a process where um, I'm looking and asking myself, do you feel that pressure inside your mind, inside your thoughts? No? Okay, good, good. Oh, wait, you feel it? All right, then you need to something. I haven't figured out what the process will be, but some sort of way that I can help myself to stay on the path of healing and not go down the, the wrong direction and back into more burnout again. It's frustrating enough, you know, for as long as it's already lasting. The last thing I want is for it to last longer. But unfortunately, the thing that I really do want is for me to just like shed it like a coat and just go running again. Um, that appears to not be something that is working for me. So I'm trying to be calm and relax and, um, and do fewer things, which if you are uh, a person who might be um, leaning towards the burnout side, it might be that you also are a person who over-volunteers. I say that because I have a, a couple of friends that um, when we get together and talk and one of them will say, okay, you have to promise me that if I tell you I volunteered for one more thing, that you are going to shoot flaming arrows and burn off my eyebrows. And we all just laugh because it's ridiculous and very funny kind of visual. Um, but it's definitely something that we need to keep in mind. Are we doing too much? Are we volunteering too much? Is it a whole bunch of really good causes, a whole bunch of really fun things? I've actually volunteered for three different things now at the church that I've only been going to for four or five months. And one of our friends jokingly said, do we need to do an intervention? And I was thinking to myself, my goodness, maybe. <laughs> I just um, 
partly it was a matter of what a great way to make friends in a place that I've just now moved to and therefore know no one. Um, but, you know, you got to ask yourself, is this a project that will end? Like one of those three things for me will end this weekend. We're having a big party at church. Yay, celebrating 10 years of being a church. Um, but two of the other things are ongoing. Every single month I have been volunteering for this thing. So just ask yourself, how many things are you volunteering for? How many people in your life are you helping with something? I'm also helping two other different friends get their books published, which is great. And I feel wonderful about it. Am I working on getting my own books published? No, because the writing time that I have, I'm taking using for my friends. I'm very happy to give my time to my friends. But if I get down to the end of a week and I haven't done anything for myself, that is probably not as healthy as if I had, you know, just said I, I have time to help one friend with their books. And if the other friend still needs help by the time I'm done with this person, then I can help one friend this other friend. That's not the way I did it, but <laughs> that's probably something that would work. I offer these things to you because I hope that you will be looking at your life or if you have a stressed out friend, helping them to look at their life and ask whether or not there are any things that you can say, okay, when we see this, then we should do that. Um, things that will help you to recover from burnout or even better, to never get it. <laughs> you know, I've been teaching these time management courses for over 10 years and I have learned and been totally 100% percent on board with the idea of squeezing every little thing out of every minute so that I get tons of stuff done. And people have said, wow, Kitty, you get so much done, which is how I ended up teaching classes on time management, getting more done. But now I'm realizing that if I ever found out any of my students had been going through burnout at any time since then, because of using things that I taught them to do, I would feel horrible. So now I need to make sure that I'm teaching you don't do so much that you squeeze every drop out of every day so that you end up being wrung out. Just decided to use that cute little um, <laughs> metaphor there. Uh, that is not, you know, a long-term solution or healthy and it doesn't make you happy. So anyway, so there's, there's, my, there's my burnout update. I hope that you will find some helpful and healthy tips for you and or your friends. Writing update. So I just admitted I've been doing very little writing, but I have gotten three chapters of my chiclet ghost story done. First drafts, of course, and ideas for edits, uh, ideas for the three, three book arc, so a trilogy, um, having lots of fun thinking about it, writing things down. Um, it's probably really not the number one priority of what I quote should be working on right now. Watch out for that word should though. It's not always a healthy word either, um, but it's gotten me back into the, oh yes, that's right. I love to make up stories. It's so fun because remember if you've been listening to every episode a few months ago when I was like at the bottom part of burnout, I was like, I don't care if I ever write again ever. And I don't even care that I don't care. And I'm and I, looking back, I think, oh my gosh, how horrible. But now I'm like, yes, no, I, I love making up the stories about things. Um, yeah, still, you know, look at weird cars and think, hmm, I wonder, you know, what's going on with that person in that car? And, you know, could it be, is there, you know, sometimes I'm about love stories and sometimes I'm about, is there a dead body in the trunk or did they just get married? <laughs> so definitely anything that you can do to make your little creative brain, you know, 
keep twirling. <laughs> That's a good thing. So I was doing a little bit of the ghost chiclet just to keep my little brain twirling, but I'm super excited to be um, doing a ton of Christmas movie research and Christmas book research and um, finding out uh, what sorts of things that I love most in Christmas stories because I've only written one, just the superhero one, because they got married on Christmas Eve. Um, but it wasn't really about Christmas that much. It was really more about superheroes. <laughs> That's um, a very merry superhero wedding, if you're wondering which book that is. But now I am going to be working on really Christmassy books, including dun, 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 book two of The Strays of Loon Lake. Yay, finally working on it. And so that will be Jackson Tabitha's story. They were the best friends of Cassie and Danny in Love at the Fluff and Fold, which is book one. And uh, their story will start the Christmas before Love at the Fluff and Fold and end at Cassie and Danny's wedding the Christmas after Love at the Fluff and Fold. So it'll be lots of fun, um, you know, thinking up things that go with snow and hot chocolate themes. <laughs> and also, I am very, very excited to tell you that I have not yet heard back from Hallmark Publishing. Yay! Because the longer they take, the more likely the answer will be yes rather than no. So... Hooray, I haven't heard back from them. <laughs> uh, keep in mind, they do have that open submission period in February 2019, and they are looking for all sorts of stuff. It's on their website. I just Google Hallmark Publishing. Um, but the reason I mention it is because I'm doing all this Christmas story research so that I can pitch another book in February that will be a Christmas book for Hallmark and see whether or not they pick it up. Who knows? It could happen. Okay, last thing, the future of the podcast. We're on. I told you I would for sure do it for a year. And now that I am recovering from the burnout, I am totally on board with keeping on going a hundred episodes. And I feel like there's no reason to stop. Um, there definitely was a reason to change how I was doing it. If you remember, I was doing three episodes a week at the beginning for the first six months, in fact, which is how I got to episode 100 after just nine months instead of two years, like it would normally take if I had just one episode a week. So um, I really liked doing all the different things that I was doing in those three episodes, an encouraging words episode on Sunday, a teaching episode on Tuesday, and an interview on Thursday. But it's really just too much work to still have an additional life outside of podcasting and do the writing and move to another country and learn another language and all those sorts of things. So again, with the I need to lead by example, I am not going to return to three episodes a week because that is the sort of thing that for me will lead me right back into burnout, probably quicker than I can imagine. So we are going to continue on the summer schedule indefinitely, which is one episode a week. But I do miss giving you the encouraging words episode. So the first Sunday of every month, there will be an encouraging words episode. Now, the podcast does have expenses associated with it, and I think my husband would be very happy if I found a way to make the podcast pay for itself so the money wasn't coming out of our grocery budget every month. Therefore, I am going to work on activating my Patreon account, which I had started 
months ago and then we moved to Sweden and then I just walked away from everything except for figuring out how to move to Sweden. <laughs> um, so a Patreon account, it's like patron of the arts. So you can give a very small amount of money per month, like $2 a month. And a whole bunch of people giving just a couple of dollars a month will help pay for all the costs of the podcast, which allows the person to not be so stressed and to be able to keep going indefinitely, at least as far as finances go. So um, we are going to do that sooner rather than later, uh, definitely before the end of the year. And in that Patreon supporters area is where I'll put extra material. So extra episodes that I wanted to do and don't fit into the one interview a week plus one encouraging words episode a month. So there'll probably be extra encouraging words episodes, probably extra teaching episodes. And who knows, maybe something will come up where there's an interview that will really work a lot better putting it in with the Patreon supporters rather than just out in the public. So I will tell you more about that. And if you would like to become a supporter, that would be super cool. Um, I'll also have other things like... um, Uh, earlier access to nonfiction, um, books that I'll be writing, um, different things like that. And if there are things that you would like to see, then as, um, as like rewards for, for the support, uh, feel free to let me know. I'm open, open to suggestions. Also, If you are liking the podcast, I would love it if you would please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes or your podcast app, or if you're watching on YouTube, because that will help me to have an idea of how many people like seriously want to listen to every episode every week. Um, It just helps me to plan better and um, makes me feel a little bit better about the time that I put into it. Oh, there are people who really like it and want it to continue. Yay. (laughs) Also, a huge help for me and other people, if you wouldn't mind, it would be so awesome if you would go to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast because then other people who are looking for a podcast to listen to having to do with writing and the writing life will have an idea of whether or not this one is the kind that would suit their needs. And so it would definitely help them. It also would really help me and it would definitely be something where I would feel your love, which would be awesome. (laughs) I try to share my love with you every week also and, uh, It wouldn't hurt if I uh, felt a little bit of love from you back. I'm only saying that because it's so hard. You know, I stare at a camera and into a microphone by myself in a room by myself. So um, if you want to do a little shout out anywhere, you know, Facebook page or Twitter, um, some things I don't check as often as others, like Twitter, I check less often than Facebook. But um, yeah, or leaving a comment right on the podcast episodes page. So that's podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. And then you can just click on episodes and comment on whatever episode that you are that you had a comment on. Anyway, I love you. I'm going to keep on going. If you just want to like be quiet and sit in the shadows and listen, that is totally cool. I do that with some of my podcasts too. So no pressure, but if you're willing, it would be totally, totally awesome uh, for me to, to hear that some of you are quite happy to keep on listening. Now, that is it for our 100 episodes update on everything interesting in writing and writing life. 
Now we are going to talk to Christine Monroe. She is very fun, very interesting. She's the director of Kobo Writing Life. I hopefully I've got that correct. And uh, she has got so many things to tell us about what's going on with Kobo and how each of them can help our author careers to improve. She's also going to come back later on a later episode and talk very specifically about how to use Kobo Writing Life as a writer. But right now she's going to give you the overview, including their new deal with Walmart. It's a very brand new deal, about a month old, and all the different ways that you can get your books out there into the world. All right. I hope you have a fantastic week. I love you. I hope it's sunshiny somewhere. And if it's not sunshine over your head, I hope it's sunshiny in your heart and enjoy the interview. Today's guest is Christine Monroe. Christine is the director of Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free self-publishing platform that helps authors reach millions of Kobo readers in over 190 countries. Prior to joining Kobo, she worked as a literary agent and international book scout. She's dedicated to helping authors to make a living from their writing and expand their global reach. Welcome, Chrissy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's so good to have you on the show. I've been kind of wanting to ask you for a long time. And then we met face to face at RWA and I'm like, she's just as nice as she seems. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm really honored. And it was great to meet you there. And you know, often that's the case, right? That's why you have to get out to writers conferences. It's so important. Yeah, definitely. Um, staying in my room seems like the best way to get more writing done. But <laughs> I think in general, your general business approach needs to be to leave your room sometimes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, the first thing I have to say is, oh my gosh, you just went to Australia. I know I did. I've always, always wanted to go there personally. And um, I had the opportunity to do RWA, which was in Sydney this year and stay after for a week of vacation. So it was really, really cool. It was like cooler than I thought it would be. The conference was amazing and unique. I've been doing book conferences for a decade now. And so as much as I do meet new people still and learn new things, um, there is a certain repetitiveness to it. And this was really a unique experience for the first time in a while for me. So that was great. And then Australia itself is just super cool. Yes, yes. We lived there for a year and then two and a half years when my husband worked oh, on Happy cool. Feet 1 and Happy Feet 2. So it was just stunning. And the first time that I went to RWA's uh, conference, the Romance Writers of Australia, um, was also in Sydney. And I yeah. was like, okay, fancy dress. That's like, um, you know, long dresses and like, uh, kind of like the Romance Writers of America Reader Awards dinner. So I went dressed yes. like that. And I'm like, wait, since when did fancy dress mean costume party? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Same thing happened to me, although I was somewhat warned. I think they said some people will be in costume, but, you know, I was traveling internationally. I wasn't going to pack a costume in a suitcase, although maybe next time I will. Uh, it was yeah. quite an extravaganza, unlike one I've really ever seen at another conference. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet the pictures that you have were just so funny and ridiculous. They are. Well, the weirder thing too was I met a lot of authors in costume and had big, long conversations with them. And then I saw them the next day and I didn't know who they were because they were so dressed up and they were acting like they knew me. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 
Oh, so man. I feel like name tags need like name and costume so you can put the two together. <laughs> there you go. Well, now you've at least been able to have, you know, a, a fresh experience after years of yes. being on the road doing the same, what feels like probably sometimes the same thing over and over. Exactly. Yeah, it was great. And I met a lot of amazing authors. So I'm so glad I got to go. Oh, that's cool. Well, I will make a link to the blog post where you talk about it because you also mentioned a couple of writerly things that might be of interest to listeners, uh, one of which is that rural romances are still hot in Australia. Oh, yeah, big time. And I got a question about that in the blog comments, which is a tricky one for anyone who's writing a more international focus, right? Um, how can you translate something that's very local feeling to an international audience, especially if you're trying to reach an a country like US or Canada with a pretty significant readership. Um, and sometimes that takes a rebrand or publishing a different edition, the way global publishers have been doing things for, for a while now. So it's, it's a challenge, especially for indies when you're doing it all yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I actually did um, come up with like a, a trilogy of ideas when that first, when that, it's actually been hot, quote, hot for yeah. um, a few years now. And it was a couple of yeah. years ago that I finally said, okay, you know what? I lived there. I should try something. And the only answer I could come up with to that question and the related question of, you know, how do you research and get something accurate, something that is so outside of what you really know if you don't live in Australia. Uh, and so uh, all three of my books have uh, an American and an Australian as the, as the love interests. So that there was the wow, this is interesting or beautiful or weird or whatever, you know, as the, the character that I could control their reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was interesting. There were obviously, you know, tables displaying books and it was everywhere, tons and tons and tons of that stuff. So Australian readers are not sick of it by any means. Well, that's very cool. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are like, cool, I got to look into this some more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of new things, so the thing that uh, you and I were talking about that I was like, oh, come on the show and talk about the new Walmart Kobo deal. So why don't you just kind of start at the beginning? And I know a little bit about it because you told us about it at RWA, but why don't you just kind of start at the beginning and let us know how it happened and what exactly it means to uh, writer listeners? Sure. So um, Walmart in the U.S., um, announced with us in, I believe it was January, February, that we would be working together to build out their ebook business. So that it's kind of been murmured for years that Walmart would do something. Um, and I've seen kind of talks of things come and go, but it was really cool to see it actually land and land with us. Because if you, if you think about the industry right now, to, for them to build it from the ground up, it's a very complex business with a ton of moving parts. So Kobo is really the, the, the reasonable answer if you think about it. Like that's our model is partnering with retailers who don't have an ebook business. Um, and now that we have audiobooks that were launched a year before that in um, fall of 2017 now, um, we had a lot to bring to the table. We have ebooks, audio, and devices. So we're selling the devices in store. Um, and yeah, Walmart shoppers can browse for ebooks. And we have a co-branded app, Walmart ebooks by Rakuten Kobo. And it's all coming together. So it's been one month now. We launched August 22nd. Um, and it's just going to be an ongoing building process with a lot of effort um, from the Walmart team, from the Kobo team to really build this into a uh, 
exciting aspect of the U.S. market. And there hasn't really been a change in the U.S. market in a while now. So it's pretty awesome to be a part of it. Yeah. I have to say it is very exciting. The idea that you can go into a um, multi-purpose store like Walmart and, you know, get some uh, cat food that you forgot and the uh, the shirt that you need to go underneath the one that you, you know, spilled coffee on. And oh, by the way, you know, I probably could use a couple more eBooks for the flight that I have to take and just like buy everything all at once. That's kind of crazy mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it's really exciting. It's an exciting opportunity for authors to reach new readers and for us to reach the readers who are potentially still those in-store customers who are not transitioned into trying digital reading yet. Yeah. Right. So that's probably one of your, um, I'm guessing, this is a question really, I would guess that one of your big markets then would be your... um, your your Walmart shopper who shops there pretty regularly, but just hasn't gotten around to uh, buying eBooks. Is that right? It's one of the markets. That's part of it. Hasn't tried audiobooks yet. Um, has been reading on a device, but wants to try an app. There's all kinds of permutations of that that the acquisitions team is focusing on. But absolutely, that getting those in store, looking at digital, is a big part of it. Nice, nice. Now I'm thinking about, um, so you and I are talking on my 100th episode. Yay! Congratulations. That's a big one. Thank you. I'm so glad that you agreed to come on the show. I wanted somebody cool. (laughs) Thank you. I'm trying my best. I don't know. (laughs) I was telling you, I I had to do kid drop off this morning. So I've got my mom hat on and I'm broadcasting from my house. So Maybe that brings my cool factor down a little bit, but I was very excited you offered me such a coveted (laughs) spot. Hey, I think the 21st century businesswoman is definitely someone who can jump from this to this to this (laughs) all in a day's work. (laughs) All the other parents saw me like running down the street from the school. I was like, I got a meeting. Got to go. See you tomorrow. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, so, um, so we're talking about, yeah, people, people like you who, uh, they live near Walmart. They like shopping at Walmart. So what else can they do? So for instance, could I buy my mom a ebook, a specific ebook gift card or somehow buy a present for somebody? The reason I mentioned this is you and I are talking in September. This is going to air, um, next week, I think it is. And in September of 2018, People like my older sister are already halfway done with their Christmas shopping, (laughs) but a lot of of people are going to be thinking about things like presents. So is there a way that we can start buying ebook gifts this way? Um, So there is a gifting component. There are gift cards of all different uh, pricing and same with audiobook. You can buy audiobook subscription gift cards, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And then in-store cards, we do have specific, um, a, a couple dozen ebook cards that you could actually buy a physical card and give it to someone and they could redeem it. So there's a couple different ways to do it, which is pretty cool. Um, we haven't focused our, our gift card strategy enough in the US yet. So it was pretty interesting to see that all come together. Um, we've done it a couple ways in Canada, for example, where we have a bigger part of the market and the partnership with Indigo here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely opens that opportunity for holiday gifting. And I think you, you've got a great point. Why not? throw it uh, under the tree or however you're giving or receiving gifts. 
That's right. And now you're making me think about things like, um, you know, Joanna Penn has been talking for the last year or more about how she's um, pushing to get all of her books into large print. And now I'm like, yeah, I really, I really need to do that. I need to actually do it, not just keep saying I need to do it. And it makes me think about customers who might normally want to buy a large print book that if that person is on your gift list, maybe buying them an audiobook subscription oh, yeah. would be a really interesting gift. A hundred percent agreed. Or um, an e-reader or, or an e-book because that is customizable font and e-readers are a huge solution for reading accessibility and availability. You know, every e-book is a large print book automatically. Yes, I love that. <laughs> now, um, when I was reading the articles related to the news release, um, I, I was not really sure if only some of the Walmart stores were going to be selling e-readers or if it was just kind of being um, brought out in waves and it would probably be in all the stores eventually. Um, I'm not as familiar with the, the device and in-store strategy, to be totally honest with you. Um, I know we launched with a a pretty big number of stores and I'm guessing we'll add more, but I don't have a concrete answer to that today. Yeah. Sorry to say. No, you know what? I'm sorry because I'm like totally getting off on this. Oh yeah, this is a great topic to talk about pre-Christmas shopping. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also available online wherever you are. So if you're not seeing it at your, at your local store yet, you can pursue it that way. So if people want to find, I clicked a link in a news article and um, it didn't even ask myself like where exactly I was. I knew I was on a Walmart website, but um, I think that I thought it was probably Walmart eBooks. So, so I typed in my name because I wanted to see my books appear. And of course, when I type, um, so the way that searches work is if you want to see more than one word together, you need to put them in quotes. But a lot of times it will pop up correctly anyway. And so people have stopped using quotes the way we had to like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I put in Kitty Buholtz, the first 40 items are cat litter. <laughs> Which was fun. I'm like, this is not an ebook only site. This is like the entire Walmart site. So one thing that I, I'll just um, put out there, if you're looking for a certain author or book title, you want to put it in quotes when you get to that search bar in order to find the ebooks, I think. Yeah. Well, search is also something that takes time, right? These are machines and algorithms that have to learn, you know, they, they have totally new items. And for however many years, cat litter, was a more advantageous search result to serve up than an author's name. That is so, so true. Yeah. People who are saying like my, my name isn't until page four. I'm like, well, nobody's ever bought it there before. So That's the right. algorithm is giving the people what they think the people want until it learns better. So that is something that just takes time, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Now, so for people who like to use apps, either on their smartphone, their tablet, or I don't know if there's any place else that you use apps, that's where I use them. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit beforehand. Tell us about if you're already a Kobo customer or if you're already a Walmart customer and this is new for you, what should we be looking for? Which app or store should we be in? Um, so if you're already a Kobo customer, you can just stick with the experience that you have now because it's truly no different. We're mirroring the Kobo store for Walmart. So there's no real reason to change. Um, and if you are new to us, then you can come through the Walmart path. Uh, there's a Walmart app, Walmart eBooks um, that you can find in the app store. So it's really your preference um, and it'll be a similar experience in the same catalog. Excellent. 
Yeah. This is very cool. I have to say, I kind of wish that I was somewhere where there was a Walmart so I could just go in and see what the displays and stuff look like. You no, know, me too, to be honest. <laughs> that's right. That's I'm right. In Toronto. So I'm sure all of us would love to just hop into a Walmart store. And many people have, obviously, to, to double check things or travel, you know, the marketing and device team, especially, but not me, not yet. Yeah. I have Darn to go it. home. My yeah. parents are in Ohio, so I'll definitely be checking it out at Thanksgiving. Nice. See, that's another reason I knew I would like you, because we're fellow Midwesterners. I'm from oh, Michigan. Right. <laughs> hey, that's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. All right. So that is one of the newest, coolest things that's going on, but you actually have a lot of cool stuff going on at Kobo right now. So why don't we, just because I happen to be living in Sweden right now, and for some reason, even though I've never, I've still never been there, the Netherlands is only a little bit to my left. (laughs) And so um, tell us a little bit about the uh, Kobo Plus program. Absolutely. So Kobo Plus is our subscription model available to Holland and Belgium right now. Um, It's a all-you-can-eat subscription and we you can opt in right in your dashboard if you have titles available through Kobo Writing Life. It's pretty straightforward. Um, again, that's about a year and a half old, and uh, it's going extremely well. So it's kind of interesting. The Netherlands is like a big piracy market, so there's not a lot of um, ebook purchasing. And so we really launched that as a solution to a problem um, in close partnership with Bowl, who is... Um, kind of like a, a Walmart or a Amazon Prime. A lot of Dutch families have a bowl account as a family. Um, they wanted a solution to make money off of ebooks, right? Instead yeah. of losing them for free. So this is the solution to that. Uh, millions and millions of Dutch families have a bowl account. So it's growing incredibly fast and um, it's a really exciting opportunity. Authors, um, even if you're writing in English, uh, it's kind of surprising how many Dutch readers read in English. So I don't think you should disregard that market by any means because yeah. your titles are not published into Dutch, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed um, just in the Copenhagen, Malmö, well, the parts of Sweden I've been in and then Copenhagen, because that's the nearest big airport to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Uh, It was actually shocking to me. I knew that in general, English is a global language, but I didn't realize the extent to which the numbers of people who speak English normally every day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the reason I said Netherlands is because when I clicked on Kobo Plus, um, the URL changes to NL and Mm -hmm. the, the flag at the top. So I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Belgium and Holland, you said. Yeah, well, Netherlands and Holland are interchangeable, as far as I, <laughs> I know. But um, I, I don't really know the difference, honestly. It's a good question for me to take away and figure out why they have two names. But um, yeah, it's a really exciting program. And if you have titles there, you could, you know, do targeted Facebook ads to those two countries. Right. Um, try to, to reach out to those readers directly and build your readership there. That's an excellent plan. I I always forget about targeted ads to uh, specific countries. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, that's a great idea. Uh, Let's see. And do you have any plans right now to create um, additional subscription programs or to broaden that? Yeah. So um, it's always a discussion. And I think, you know, we talk about in the office all the time that we have this whole generation of people 
growing up with the expectation that content is a subscription, right? Like you have Netflix um, as one example, Spotify. So they're used to getting their content um, via subscription versus making one-off purchases. So it's a conversation. I think if we decide to do that, it would be in a very strategic way in the countries where we have a, a growing need for it and partner buy-in and all of that stuff. So we would obviously offer authors the choice if they're already in Holland to make sure that their rights are available and they're interested in all of that to growing their subscription opportunities with us. Nice. Oh, I like it. All right. That's all very exciting. <laughs> it's, um, it's a newer concept for me because I didn't grow up with um, subscription programming, sure. but, um, I, but I definitely do have, like, I'm a total Adobe creative cloud subscription devotee. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix devotee. So uh, I think that I'll start uh, moving into being more open to it myself. So, but I totally understand what you're saying about people probably from, I don't know when, when the customers actually can start buying their own product, but let's just say 18, 18 yeah. to 30, they're probably super just expectant that that's a possibility. Yeah. Entertainment. All right. Cool. All right. So I've got my little checklist of all the things to talk about because there's so many things I <laughs> want to talk about. So I don't want this to sound like, you know, a, a news show about all things Kobo, but honestly, some of my listeners, I don't think maybe have heard of Kobo yet. So Canadian yeah. company owned by a Japanese company. I have that right. Exactly. Yeah. So we're based in Toronto. That's our headquarters. Um, Rakuten is our parent company. They have been for several years now. Um, and they are, you know, a huge international conglomerate um, headquartered in Tokyo, but they have a huge office in uh, Silicon Valley. Um, and they own all kinds of companies, including Ebates and Viber and Overdrive, the library lending program. So it's a really interesting thing to see them since they acquired us start to do these strategic um, acquisitions and really build up a content platform um, where we're the ebook and audiobook provider, Overdrive is the library lender, um, they have Viki, which does TV. So you see this really interesting um, foundation building and new opportunities in the future for, for everyone involved, which is pretty cool. Um, and then Kobo, we originally were part of Chapters Indigo, which is basically like the Barnes and Noble of Canada. Okay. So we were the ebook solution for them and devices. And so we really were built with this partnership model as our DNA. So we were able to build that internationally into markets where FNAC in France, Mondadori in Italy, um, Bowl in the Netherlands, and so on, um, we provide the solution for them. So it really gives us an opportunity to jump into a market. And even if the Kobo brand itself isn't known there, we just can jump on with another company and, and grow quickly. It is shocking. 190 countries we can get our books into if we were uh, putting our books into Kobo. Yeah. And that's what authors come back to us most about. You know, we have a little bubble map in the dashboard, which shows where you sold. And people are like, holy moly, there's people in Swaziland reading my book. How did that happen? You yeah. know? <laughs> and if you think about how quickly that change happened, like I was on the foreign rights side of things before, 
where you could never get that kind of reach. And even if you were a huge international bestseller, the chances that your rights would sell in those countries and reach those readers like did not exist. So the opportunities for authors right now are extremely exciting and huge. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, if I remember right, Kobo Books sells all kinds of books from all kinds of published and, uh, publishers and indie authors, but yep. Kobo Writing Life is the self-publishing platform? Exactly. Um, small publishers and digital publishers do use the platform. It's the easiest, fastest way to get in um, to the Kobo store. So it is a mix because I, I handle all of those uh, publishers uh, in my day-to-day -day life. But um, in general, you know, the big, the big five, if you will, Penguin, Harper, and all that come in um, through the, the traditional huge onyx all that stuff <laughs> yeah 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 but kobo writing life is the free self-pub platform that's the part that i run we um we really love what we do it's pretty awesome to get to help authors reach readers around the world that's what we focus on i have to say ever since i got involved in kobo which might have been when i was living in australia the second time um the thing that was most impressive to me, and at first it wasn't so much impressive as it was such a relief that there was a person on the other end of an email actually helping me. Mm. Um, but then after a while, I was like, this is so impressive. This is a really big company. And when I email and say, I have a problem or the promotions tab isn't on my dashboard, but my friend says she has it. How do I get it? Like there would always be someone uh, getting me an answer in a and the emails from you guys are just so friendly and helpful. Like you all genuinely mean what you say. It's not just like a, a corporate stance. We help authors and we love it. No, like you really seem to love helping authors. And it's one of my favorite things about Kobo. So I really wanted to make sure I said that loudly on the podcast so that people can understand this is not just another location that you might be able to sell books. This is like a great place to build your writing business. Thank you for saying that because it's truly the most important thing to me as the, the leader of the author care team that we, we help authors and we make them feel supported and not just feel supported, but actually we do support them. And if there's a problem and there will be problems, you know, like mistakes happen, the dashboard has an error, you know, um, a book gets delayed or something that we find win-win solutions to solve them. That's, that's our top priority. Um, and we, we love it. We get, um, whenever like a support ticket is closed, we do a, there's an automatic survey that happens and the, the person on the other side can give us a rating, <laughs> which is a kind of scary thing when you're doing customer support essentially. But like there are many, many weeks where every single person dealing with that side of the business gets a hundred percent satisfaction rating, which nice. to me is like, uh, the most important thing that we accomplish in a week. If that happens, I was like, you know, it's kind of astounding to me. It's hard to believe, but you know, this is my public moment to brag about the team and all the amazing work that they do. And I really am proud and impressed with everything. That is so cool. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that um, I w really wanted you on the show because it's just a different company. All, all the different places where self-published authors can can put their books. And I'm mentioning self-published authors because traditional authors don't really get a choice. Their books are going to go wherever the company puts them. Yeah. Um, but um, particularly for those people who are wanting to be in control of their own business, they're going to choose where they put their books, uh, who they're going to work with and that sort of thing. It's really um, 
all the companies are different and have their own pros and cons. But one of the things I love about Kobo, just for my personality, is it's like people who love books and stories and want to help you get yours out there. I'm like, sold. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I love working there too, honestly. Um, We don't sell any other stuff at the end of the day. Like we're the only ebook provider still standing who we don't sell other things. We'd partner with other people like Walmart who do sell other stuff. But when I walk in the building, all we talk about all day are books, devices, and the reading experience, finding those awesome books, finding those awesome authors and finding a way to make this work uh, today and for the next, you know, decades to come. So it's pretty inspiring. And I think that is why we're able to to do it because that's, that's all we do. You know, we have one area we focus and we try to do as best as we can. Now we were talking about the audio books a little bit as a consumer earlier in the podcast, but let's talk about it a little bit more from the um, perspective of the author. So there, there's going to be authors who um, they're either reading or hiring to be read, uh, you know, narrated um, audiobooks that are not yet out yet, and they're trying to figure out what to do. There might be people who haven't even figured out how they would even start. And there's people like me who I have a couple of audiobooks out, but at the time that I released them, Audible appeared to be my only real option. And so sure. I've been for another few years with my, yeah. my seven-year contract. So let's talk a little bit about um, audiobooks from the position of the author who still has their audiobook rights. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Um, I will say I have heard of authors asking to get their rights back if you want them and Audible saying yes. So um, I'm obviously not affiliated with that situation, but I've heard it from enough people that I do believe that's a strong possibility. Um, Anyways, but there's a lot of opportunity now. And I agree, like for many years, there wasn't there. You had one choice. So it didn't make sense to not be exclusive because there was nothing else. Um, So now the doors are opening up. So um, I, well, I guess it's going to be Apple Books now has audio um, and we do as well. And as an indie author, if you have nothing, then there's a ton of um, platforms now for production that are not ACX. So Find Away Voices is one great opportunity. I know they're doing a lot of great stuff and distributing to Kobo. Same for Listen Up. Um, that's another option. So those are the two main ones that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are more. And then you also have the opportunity to explore selling your rights. I know audio publishers are looking more and more at indie authors, Blackstone, Tantor, and again, probably a lot more. So I think the opportunities are opening for the first time in a big way for indie authors with audio. So that's really cool. Yeah. So our customers actually buying the audiobooks at the Kobo store? Uh, yeah, online. Absolutely. Yeah, we have, um, it's a credit system subscription. So um, we're competing on price in, we launched exactly one year ago in six English countries. And since then, we've rapidly been adding more. For example, in France, we launched in with a partner called Orange, which is the biggest telco company in France. Um, or a big telco. I probably shouldn't go on record saying the biggest because I don't know that for a fact. Um, but that's one example. We, we launched in Spain and it will continue to grow internationally from there. Very and, cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. The interest is there. I feel like 
if you are a digital reader, it's a very natural transition. I know that's how I read. I flip back and forth between audio and ebook, but I always have about five books going at once. I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I finally learned how to uh, connect my library to Libby. I just hadn't gotten around to it because- Ooh, Libby yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah right? So yeah. I usually- um, I run and that's when I listen to podcasts and I listen to enough episodes that I rarely am running out of episodes because I'm running more. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, well, if I can't even listen to all my podcasts, how in the world will I listen to a 10 or 15 hour book? But um, my friends were talking about Libby and they're like, Kitty, you just got to connect it and just do it. And I'm (laughs) like, okay, fine. So I listened to like just the first two or three minutes of several books. So I was like, oh, this is why I don't like audiobooks. I just don't like the way that they're read. And then I found Sycamore Row by John Grisham. Mm. And I love the narrator. And I'm like, oh, I think what I need to do is follow the narrator. <laughs> but I am so hooked. I'm like, oh, you know what? I really should do the dishes right now. And I'll just happen mm-hmm. to listen to the audiobook. So my dishes are a lot cleaner than, or my kitchen's cleaner than it was. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I th- we had a marketing campaign at some point, which was essentially that, like, do whatever you were doing longer or better. Take, add some kilometers to your run because you just can't wait to, to hear what happens next. And um, I do think it opens the door to adding more reading time to your daily life, no matter what you're doing, if you had time for it before or if you felt like you didn't. Um, and as you mentioned before, the accessibility part is so important as well. Um, But I think you're so right. Uh, Narrators are important. We just did a blog post for the Kobo blog, not the KWL blog, uh, the 10 best audio narrators of all time. Um, It was a really compelling list. Definitely worth checking out. You can just Google that and find the list. Um, And I I wanted to get grab every single one of their top recommended reads because I'm always looking for a great narrator. Oh, that is very cool. I am putting a link to that in the show notes for this episode. (laughs) Well, listen, um, like I said, Kobo has so many cool things going on and there's not enough time to talk about them all, but let's just do a a quick, um, this is what we'll talk about next episode. I'll have you back Mm. on. Uh, We'll look at our calendars and see what works for you. Next episode when we talk, um, and I don't mean, you know, the 101st, but so when you and I figure out a date, the yeah. next time that we talk, let's talk specifically about Kobo writing life and maybe have like a list of things that, um, that maybe new authors didn't know about. I know the promotions tab always seems to be something that you have to tell people about because there's always some new author who didn't know that such a thing existed yeah. and you've got great things to say about that. You've got a podcast, but why don't you give us the, the quick overview of what Kobo writing life is so people can google it start looking into it themselves know what they can find on the podcast that they can start um uh, learning more about kobo and their opportunities there as a writer and then we'll talk again as soon as you and i can get together and we'll just cover it in more detail that's great thanks kitty um so as a starter you if you don't have an account yet and you want to check it out it's kobo.com slash writing life and we'll add that link in the notes, but um, just so you hear it here. Um, it's free. We have our terms and conditions there so you can check out if it makes sense for you. Um, and it's quick upload. We use EPUB format, but we have a free converter. So if you have a Word doc, for example, we'll convert that for you for free. Um, and 
you go through some really, really quick steps. That's the other thing. We're proud of our service and we're proud of how easy it is to upload your books. And almost everybody that that's the top thing they tell me, it's like so easy to use. So when we get into the detailed conversation of aggregator or not aggregator, um, I encourage authors to just set up an account and see what the experience is like and what it looks like to upload directly because it is so easy. So why give up any money to not do it yourself um, is a question that you should ask yourself. And if you have an answer to that, awesome. If not, then go for it. Yeah. Um, when you upload your store, your book goes live typically within just a few hours to Kobo customers and all of the partners that I hinted at um, around the world. And yeah, we can add the promotions tab for you, which is where you submit. We have tons of promos on there. That list is changing all the time. Um, and that's really the best way to get started. And then obviously best practices, then go in and add Kobo and Walmart links to all of your books, wherever you're posting, you know, social media, newsletter, blog, because the one thing that still drives me crazy after all these years is when authors will tell me, um, you know, I only sell on Amazon. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me look at your stuff. And I look and on their website, it's just that huge yellow box. That's like, buy it in one place. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you are wide and we can talk about that as well, the, the benefits of um, wide distribution and reaching readers where they want to read. Um, you can't, you need to market to that audience too and make it known that your books are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Now you also have a podcast that I think yes. is weekly. Um, we are aspiring to weekly. We're getting yeah. there. I think we're going to get there this fall <laughs> because it is important. Um, I think Joanna Penn said you can, you know, double your listenership or something when she, when you switch from, um, week bi-weekly to weekly but we have over a hundred episodes now of, of all kinds of huge best-selling names um bella andre barbara freely kevin j anderson um we got industry insiders i had bookbub on a couple weeks ago i had overdrive talking about marketing to librarians specifically so we try and hit oh he had a another great one was a booktuber about how she promotes books on youtube Nice. Um, so we try to find really interesting stuff that we didn't know about and that we want to learn about and go from there. So I, I love the podcast and it always amazes me. And I'm sure you're getting this now as well. When you go to a conference and someone meets you, they're like, oh, I know you. I hear you on your podcast. That yeah. is very funny to me. So that's one way we try to educate authors and the free thing that we offer. And the other side of that is what we do on the blog. And similarly, we do strategy, success stories specific to Kobo. And if we have any platform or brand updates, we put them there as well. So that's kobowritinglife.com. Excellent. Great. So much information. So ah, I just, <laughs> we backed it in. It was great. It was great. And I just want to help people to know. So I've been talking about um, burnout for the last few months, mm. as I realized that that was the, um, the word that went with the problem that I didn't understand that I had. Um, so if I can just say, um, and, and feel free to give me your opinion, but I'm thinking if people are like, okay, can't get into information overload. I already have too much. My thought is probably you want to pick the item that you are already enjoying doing. If you like reading blogs, maybe just start by reading the blog. Or if you really like 
audio podcast, maybe just start by re- listening to the audio podcast. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a really good piece of advice. Um, and that goes for the opposite too, as an author, if you're already like huge on Twitter, just do that. And the other social media platforms you can think about later. So yeah, double down on what you're already doing is great advice. Excellent. Listen, you're awesome. I'm so excited that you took the time between school and work to uh, (laughs) spend with us and share with us everything Kobo. So yeah, thanks. My dogs even helped out. I have two toy poodles, Oscar and Molly, and I don't think they barked even one time. So you, they behaved for you guys. So you've got something going there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't hear them until I mean, after we hit the record button, I'm like, what happened to our dogs? I'm going to go find out right now. (laughs) Right, right. Hopefully they're not in the refrigerator. (laughs) Oh, Chrissy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you here. Great to chat with you. And uh, we'll talk again sometime in the next couple months. I would love that.